I know what it feels like to be in communion with something bigger than myself, my creator, whatever you call God. I know what it feels like when I'm aligned in a way that I should be. And I know what it feels like when I'm kind of on the outskirts of that. And there are practices that I have developed that I find really help me to feel more connected. And to be honest, I don't always do them. That's why I wanted to talk about this today because this is a huge value in my life and a huge goal in my life to stay connected to God. But I don't always get there. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. We are recording. We are recording in this audio and we're recording video and I'm adjusting. For those of you who are watching this on YouTube and it's a different location, you're like, why aren't you in that very dark room that we're used to seeing you in, in the, in the green chair? I love that room, that dark room and that green chair. It's my office, but as the seasons change, I've found that it's too dark to shoot good video in and we need the video for all sorts of reasons. So here I am, I'm in the living room, which means that Jeff is here. I mean, he's always here in podcast recordings, if we're being honest, but he's definitely here in a bigger way. There's a lot more space for him to move around and I just, just know that as we go into today's conversation. Well, I guess let's start with what we're talking about today. These are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven daily practices that help me stay grounded, that help me to stay inside of my spiritual practice, that help me to stay connected to something bigger than me. I find that the busier I get and the more chaotic my kids' schedule gets and my life gets, I'll have like a week go by or maybe even more time. I'll have like two weeks go by and I'm like, oh, wow, I haven't really felt very connected to source. I haven't felt connected to God. As much as that is absolutely a part of every single day, there's a difference. And I don't know if y'all have experienced this in your life, but I know what it feels like to be in communion with something bigger than myself, my creator, whatever you call God. I know what it feels like when I'm aligned in a way that I should be. And I know what it feels like when I'm kind of on the outskirts of that, and there are practices that I have developed that I find really help me to feel more connected. And to be honest, 
I don't always do them. That's why I wanted to talk about this today because this is a huge value in my life and a huge goal in my life to stay connected to God. But I don't always get there. I'm human and the honestly, the busier my schedule gets, which is really all about my kids. So the more I'm driving people to football, basketball, baseball practice, to theater drop-off and pickup, to taekwondo, these are all real things that one or more of my four kids do every week, dance classes, like they're really involved in activities. And I want that for them because if one of them is really involved in activities, it's not fair that the other ones don't get to have an activity just because we're busy already. So we just try and make it work as best we can. But that means, I don't know if y'all ever feel like this, but I'm just like, all I did this week was drive back and forth. That's all I did. I feel like, you know, when the kids are with me, I'm just constantly, if I'm not driving them, I'm cooking for them, I'm cleaning up, I'm doing bedtimes and baths. If you have kids, man, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't have kids, you have your own version of busy, right? We all have our own version of busy. And the busier I get, even if I'm really productive, I was talking to my boyfriend about this this week. Is like, I can have weeks where I'm super productive. I feel like I'm in flow state. I'm getting it all done. I'm cooking with gas. I'm being the mom I want to be. I'm writing the words like I need to. I'm producing episodes of the podcast for y'all. And I can kill it in terms of productivity. But if I'm not careful, those are the weeks when I will feel the least connected to source. And I don't want to get back there. I am really striving in my life. I haven't mastered this yet, but I really think that there must be a way to be productive and in flow state and connected to source and in communion with my creator. Like I really believe that there must be a way to master those two things. I haven't really mastered it simultaneously, but I'm working on it. Some of the things that I do that make me feel the most connected are daily practices that I think anybody can adopt. I'm going to tell you guys mine and you can steal them. And if these don't work for you, then at least us having this conversation will perhaps make you think of some examples of what your version of this might be. But these are seven things that help me to feel more spiritual, more connected, more aligned, all of it. I suppose let's start with kind of how I was raised to believe about this topic, which was I grew up in a very conservative Christian home, very evangelical, very fire and brimstone, very dogmatic. And I don't ever really remember anyone talking about feeling connected to God or being in communion with God, the thing that I heard over and over and over is that you had to love God. You had to love God with all your heart and all your soul. And I would hear other people in the church just talking about how much they loved God and they just loved Jesus and they loved, loved, loved. And I remember as a little kid wondering this and then it following me into adulthood, I was like, I don't understand what that means. And I would say it and I would agree with it like most kids who are raised in the church and you just sort of learned the rituals and the things that you're supposed to do and say. But I don't know that I ever really 
felt that because I couldn't understand like a human love and how that equated to loving your creator. I never really understood what it meant, but I actually think that the more valuable conversation would have been, how do I feel connected to this thing that is greater than me? How do I identify with the idea whatever your religion is, that you are a creation of something greater than yourself, that you are a child of God, that you are something special and unique and worthwhile. And so what does it look like for you to be in communion with this greater thing, to get to know it, to hold space for your questions, to wonder, to ponder, to be curious, to see it as something that you could access without a priest or a preacher or the four walls of a church to realize that it is so much bigger than anything that man or woman, human beings could possibly express. It's so much bigger. My five-year-old was in my room. She was like trying on my high heels in front of the mirror because she's five and that's one of her favorite things to do. And I can't remember what we were talking about, but I said something about God. We're maybe, I, yeah, I don't, I don't remember what it was, but I said, oh, you know, we were talking about God. And I said, oh, God loves you. She loves you so much. And Noah was like, he loves me so much. And without thinking, I was like, oh, yeah, Noah, actually, God is so much bigger than a man or woman, uh, bigger than gender, doesn't actually have any gender at all because it's God. It's it's bigger than that. And so if it doesn't have any gender at all, we can really call it whatever we want to. And so mommy chooses to call God she. And she looked at me and she was like, God is a boy. And then I realized I was trying to have some kind of philosophical debate with this five-year-old who just left a Christian preschool after three years. I'm like, this is not the time of the place. I'm like, you're right. God, your God is a boy. You're right. Absolutely. And he loves you so much. But I didn't have language for all of these things that I have now. And I didn't know beyond that you were supposed to love God and beyond the idea of prayer. You should pray every day was what I was told. You should study the word. You should study scripture. You should dig into the Bible. That was how I was taught that you would be connected to something bigger than you. I think the big issue with that, whatever you believe, if you're listening to this and you're like, I am a devout Catholic, I am a devout Christian, incredible. But for what it's worth If you're growing up in that, or if you're in it now, whether it's you or maybe you want to bring your children up in the same way, that's your choice. But I do think it's worth considering when we tell humans and children especially to believe something without them being able to understand what it is they're meant to believe, you're not going to have the connection that you want to have or that you can have. All I mean by that is if, as a little girl, I was told to read the Bible was my way to have a deeper connection with God. And I tried. Y'all, I was a Pentecostal preacher's daughter. I read scripture. I read the Bible every day. Okay, now I'm really going to get into this, and I'm going to start with Genesis, or I'm going to open at random, and I'm going to try. And I would really try and dig in. It's like me, at 39 years old, opening advanced algebra 
and trying to understand what I'm looking at. It's like we assume that because someone is raised in a certain faith or because someone even has the desire to be deeper in their faith, that then they're supposed to open up this Bible, right, or whatever the version is for you, and just know what it means. But you're not supposed to say that you don't know what it means, or you're not a good Christian, or you're not supposed to say, well, like, this doesn't make sense to me, or you're doing something wrong. So it's just worth thinking about, if you really want a deeper connection with your faith, you have to understand what your faith is. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. You know, if I didn't understand math in high school, going to a tutor or going to someone who could better explain it to me, you shouldn't just accept things that you don't understand. You should take a deeper dive because that's truly how you are going to grow more deeply. Your roots are going to go more deeply into your faith and your spirituality. And it's worth saying the creator of the heavens and the earth, whatever religious context you find that in, the creator of this universe can hold space for your questions, period. I was absolutely raised in churches that said that you should not question. You shouldn't question your preacher. You shouldn't question the Bible. You shouldn't... No, absolutely not. You're telling me that the creator of everything, the all-knowing God, can't hold space for little 13-year-old Rachel's questions? That's, that's some BS. That's some um, ridiculous ideology created by humans that has nothing to do with a source that's so much bigger than all of us. So for what it's worth, I went on a little bit of a tangent real quick, but I think that you owe it to your faith to dive deeper. You owe it to your faith. To accept everything as is and never try and unpack what it all means and why it's there is a disservice to your faith. You're going through the motions. 
And if anything, our spirituality should be the most alive and vibrant part of us. So let's talk about some daily habits that help me feel more connected. And these kind of go all over the place. So some of them you're going to be like, really? And then others are going to be like, I hope. You'll have at least one where you're like, okay, dang, that's, that's pretty good. But the first thing that I wrote down, and it sounds like some hippie stuff, and it probably is, but it's so real. Every single day, I have to put my bare feet on the ground outside every single day. It's such a simple thing. It doesn't cost money. I know we're going into a colder winter season, so I don't know how this will work for you in the colder winter months. I promise that when it's snowing outside, I am not going out and putting my feet on the ground. But if I am able to put my bare feet on the ground outside, even just for a few minutes, I don't know if there's a better way of grounding myself than that. That's some hippie stuff. That's some woo-woo stuff. That's some witchy stuff. That's some your God is the creator of this planet. This is Mother Earth, Gaia, whatever you believe in. There is powerful earth energy that comes up out of the ground. That's Look up the science of it. Look up the psychology around getting outside and putting your bare feet on grass. It's so easy, but it's so powerful. One of the meditations that I've done for years at RISE conferences, and I just did it recently on tour, I ask the people in the audience, I ask them to take stock of their body. So we close our eyes and we begin to breathe deeply. And I say, you know, if you can put your feet on the ground, even inside, wherever you're listening to this right now, and wiggle your toes. Just become conscious of your feet on the earth. And in becoming conscious of your feet on the earth, become conscious that as long as you have lived, this earth has held you up. This earth, this ground, this terra firma, this whatever is below your feet right now, even if you can't, you know, even if you're standing inside your apartment or you're in your car listening to this, you are on top of the earth and she has always held you up. That's something sacred. I've told this story for years about getting to hear Rob Bell speak. He was talking about this really well-known moment in the Bible where Moses takes off his shoes. He takes off his shoes because the ground is holy. If you have read the Bible or you're familiar with the story, you know this moment. But Rob said this thing I have never forgotten. He said, Moses did not take off his shoes because he realized the ground was sacred. Moses took off his shoes because he realized the ground had always been sacred. I grew up singing that song, maybe some of you did too, We Are Standing on Holy Ground. This is something I used to sing as a little girl. And I know that there are angels all around. We are standing on holy ground. And I don't care what you believe in. We are standing on holy ground. And there are angels all around. And for me, at least, the act of getting bare feet 
onto the ground outside. It's just this, it's a sacred practice. It's just a little thing that reminds me to come back to that moment, to settle in to where I am. And I'm hoping it's something that you can do as well. When you're having a panic attack or an anxiety attack, one of the things that doctors recommend is that you put your hands and your feet onto a steady surface. You put your hands onto ground that's not moving because it reminds you that even though you feel topsy-turvy, that the ground is actually stable below you. And I just love this. It's such a simple thing. I think I grew up with it as a little girl going out to grandma and grandpa's house and being in their little front yard out in the country and just being barefoot all summer. You guys know what summer feet are? Like you got to work on your summer feet. (laughs) I don't know if anyone else is a little redneck child like I was, but at the beginning of the summer, your feet are really tender. You kind of can't walk on hot ground or hot asphalt. By the end of the summer, you could walk across a lava lake because your feet have, they've become summer feet. They can handle it. So really simple thing, go outside for a few minutes and put your feet onto the ground outside. The second thing, so simple, is just a deep, slow breath. I hope that you guys are doing this several times throughout the day, but at the very least to start your day. Something I learned from my boo is whenever we're in a moment that's sort of new or you know maybe it's a travel day we travel a ton when the kids aren't with us and like we're out in the world and we're doing he always starts the day and he's like baby three slow deep breaths and we literally will just we're like looking out we're at an airport or we're looking out at the ocean or we're doing something and we'll just take a minute and do it with me. Like, don't, I know this seems like cheesy, but it seriously, it, it helps. I want you to breathe in very slowly through your nose and out through your mouth. And as you do, just like let your shoulders drop away from your ears. Let your jaw relax. Just one more. I went to the optometrist the other day to have my eyes checked. And she was saying that all of us, every 20 minutes, should look, if we work on a screen, should look away from the screen to something that's really far in the distance. And so I think this would be a perfect practice for giving your eyes a break from a screen, looking far into the distance, and three slow, deep breaths. It'll just take... 90 seconds, two minutes at the very most. And it'll go so far to helping you relax. There is so much psychology and science behind the power of a slow, deep breath. It's why a smoke break is considered so relaxing beyond the chemicals that are in cigarettes. It's because people go outside, they're working in a chaotic environment or they're dealing with kids or they're dealing with work or dealing with college or whatever, and they go outside. So they're outside in the fresh air, maybe for the first time all day, they light their cigarette and they do this. (laughs) 
And they're like, oh, the cigarette is everything. It's like, no, the fact that you went outside and took a deep breath is everything. There's mad power and it's so simple. The third thing, this is something that when I heard this for years, I rolled my eyes. It was like, I'd read these things in magazines or in books and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know. And I wouldn't do them because I just didn't self-identify as someone who would take the time for this. And now having adopted this practice, I'm like, Rach, you are such a dummy. I could have been living such a better, more relaxed life so long ago if I had just stretched every single day. Again, this is another one. I'm like, are all of these less than a minute? No, okay, some of these are a little bit longer. But this is another one that just takes a second. One of the easiest things to do, if you've ever done a yoga class, I'm sure you've done this, a PE class in you know, any school, like it's so simple, is to just plant your feet firmly on the ground and then bend over at the waist and it's, you go kind of ragdoll. So um, you sort of sway back and forth with your upper body. You just let your arms hang. Um, a lot of times in yoga, I like to grab my elbows and just sort of sway back and forth, head down towards the ground. Just let your low back stretch out, the back of your legs stretch out, and then slowly, very slowly, when you feel like you're ready, slowly fold upwards one vertebrae at a time until the last thing that comes up is your head. And then if you want, you could even add doing a big stretch. You can't see me if you're not watching this on YouTube, but I'm doing a big stretch overhead, sort of leaning to the right leaning to the left, just, oh, they feel so good. They're really simple. Just all the way up. If you know a yoga pose, this is mountain. You can't see my whole body, but I'm doing mountain into extra credit. If you do a back bend, this is all standing back bend with cactus arms. Put your chin up in the air, come back to mountain, come back down. And honestly, if you wanted to ground, you could come back down to what they call in yoga heart center just hands in prayer at your heart or on your heart, but just take a moment and do breaths. A lot of these could be done together, but man, it's simple. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle, and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name 
in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. If you have extra time and extra credit, get down on the ground, like get down on a mat, get down on the carpet, you know, reach and touch your toes, roll around on your back is really, um, feels really good to release low back tension. If you're having low back pain, if you feel pain in your low back and it's tight, it's usually because of your legs, not necessarily your back. So you want to make sure that you're stretching those out as much as you can. If you have extra time and you've got a foam roller, I mean, rolling out my back on a foam roller, that takes two minutes. I don't know anything else that will help my body feel as good as that simple moment. So stretching, even if you're just like, this is dumb, whatever, like this is not, I know because I used to be that person, but there's a reason that everybody recommends it because it's really, really helpful. And for me, that moment of stretching really helps me to ground back down into my body. There's a big connection for me between being connected to something bigger, greater than myself and being in my body. When I am rushing, when I am hustling, when I am trying to get all the things done, I am really not very conscious of my body. I'm not conscious of my body. I tend to not be taking care of my body the way that I need to. I'll forget to eat. Then I'll eat too much because I'm starving and I'm scarfing down all the food. And can I, guys, this has nothing to do with anything except that that just triggered a memory for me. And then I remembered something. Just bear with me for one second. I had this memory today. I can't believe I never thought about it before. This memory from childhood. And if you listen to my episode last week, there's a two-part episode with Jessica Lignato. She's an astrologer, a psychic, a medium. It was incredible. We talked about my childhood. She did my birth chart. I think you'll find it fascinating, even if you're not familiar with Zodiac or astrology, because I did not know anything about this. But she said that I'm in this period of time that astrologers called a transition. In a transition period which typically I guess happens around 40 years old, which other people refer to it as a midlife crisis because they don't know better. But she said, when you go through your first transition, all this stuff from your childhood begins to bubble up. 
you start to remember things that you forgot and trauma you thought you would work through and lo and behold, there's still issues and whatever. So she was telling me this and then just today, I went to get a smoothie. Shout out to Juiceland, the people who work at Juiceland in Austin, Texas, basically know me by name, um, big into their smoothies. But I went to get a smoothie and I was driving back home and I was drinking it and I heard my dad's voice in my head from when I was a little girl. And he said, man, you're really sucking that up, aren't you, sis? And I remembered that he used to say that to me whenever he felt like I was eating too fast. He would say, man, you're really sucking that up. And I, without conscious thought, I remembered that and I like put the smoothie down because there was some like weird trigger in me to like stop eating because I heard my dad's voice in my head. I had no memory of this until I remembered it. And then it was like, all of the times that this happened. And to take a further step back, looking at this through the eyes of a nearly 40-year-old woman, and I have my own kids, I was thinking about parents who didn't or very rarely made sure that we had food. There was a lot of food uncertainty in my childhood. From elementary school, like I mean third grade, basically as soon as I started walking to school alone, which was probably like eight years old, I am very conscious of so many memories of I got up every day, I made my own lunch, I took myself to school. I know a lot of you did too. We were latchkey kids. You got yourself to school, you got yourself home. Fine, whatever. I had working parents and they worked very hard. And we struggled financially. So, you know, that just was what it was. But there was not a real concern with whether or not there was food for me to take to school Uh, and my brother as well. That wasn't a big, you, you would go into the kitchen and it would be like, do I have anything to make today? I have so many memories of like cobbling things together and being so embarrassed by what I was bringing to school for food. But I knew that if I didn't bring something, I would be starving by the end of the day. But then like there was also this pride of like not signing up for the thing at school that would have allowed me to like get lunch for free. I don't know. So I was thinking about like food scarcity and then I was thinking about how often there wouldn't be dinner when you thought there was going to be dinner. Like maybe tonight it's at six and maybe tomorrow it's at eight and it was awesome if you got dinner. But if you're a little kid and you're hungry, when you get food in front of you, you scarf it down. And I was like, my mind was blowing at this. I didn't have adults in my life who were making sure that I was eating regularly, but then who simultaneously shamed me. Not my mom, but my dad would shame me for how fast I ate when I actually did get food in front of me. And I was like, whoa, okay, is that because on some level he was embarrassed that I was eating like that? Was it because – because definitely in my mind, yeah, this is – it was received and given as like, you're chubby, you're eating too fast, you're going to get fat, you're the – because those were absolutely things. Like if I went for seconds, that was something that was talked about 
And I wonder if it sort of presented itself as in their mind, oh, you're you're doing these things, you're making bad choices. But really the undercover truth was that, like, I wonder if they were even, him specifically, like, was he even aware that I was eating that way because I was hungry? That was mind-blowing for me today because I think of how often my relationship with food was just to not eat, not eat, not eat, not eat, get to the place that I was starving and then eat everything. And obviously that's something that goes back through time, but this really has nothing to do with a spiritual practice or maybe it has everything to do with the spiritual practice because as you continue to dive deeper, you remember things, you can unpack things, but I can also, that memory doesn't hit me with like the full anger that it might have at one time. I can feel angry for that version of myself, but I can also feel compassion for my father who had zero tools with how to manage any of that. And I'm positive equated his entire success as a parent to whether or not he was financially supporting us in the way that felt right to him. So yeah, I had that memory today and that blew my mind. It's just worth asking, man, whose voice is in your head? Whose voice is in your head? A true spiritual practice and a connection to the divine and a connection to God and your creator to me is about making sure that the voice that is in your head is something that's loving and kind and reminds you how worthy you are and says, yes, baby girl, I know that you fail and you fall down sometimes, but you stand back up and you go again. And that is the beauty of being who you are. Yeah. That really was a incredible memory for me that came up today. And I just, I, I just wanted to share that with you because you're my friends and I didn't have anyone else to tell. So that was a big, like mind blowing moment. All right. Here's another one. This is a really good one. This is maybe my best one. Uh, this is a more recent practice for me, and I cannot overstate how much this has helped me. I don't think I've talked to you guys about it, but maybe I have. Several months ago, I was doing a meditation with my friend Kimberly. Perhaps you've listened to me interview her on the show. She's been on twice. Her name's Kimberly Lucas. She's an energy healer. She's a medium. She's wildly talented. We've been working together for a really long time. And she and I were doing a meditation together. And we finished. And it was a meditation with breath work. And if you're not familiar, there are certain types of breath work in meditation that sort of take you to a higher plane. Like, I don't know how else to explain it. You can watch YouTube videos or look it up, but essentially the breath work kind of, I don't know, it just, you sense things more deeply. You feel more in communion with something greater. It's a really powerful tool. And there are people who do it and are much better at it than I am and can explain it better than I am currently explaining it to you. But just know we were doing this thing beautiful experience. After it's over, we're talking about it. She's like, what did you see? And I'm telling her like, I saw, see more like sense. And I'm like, oh, I sensed like angels around me and I sensed uh, spirit guides. And I just had this 
feeling of love and everything's going to be okay. And just, it's a beautiful experience. And so I am explaining to her what I was feeling. And then I said, well, what did you experience? Because she was facilitating this meditation for me. So she's like, you know, I was just holding space for you energetically and trying to give to you energetically, but I did notice something with you I've never noticed before. I'm like, oh, tell me. And she said, you know, I always think of my wings. And she never talked about this, but she's like, I just think of, she's like, I have wings and my wings are like big and they're open and they're colorful. And so I was thinking about my wings and just, I have no reference for what she's saying. I've never heard someone say this to me before. So I'm like, wings, what? And she's like, my wings are this. And so for the first time I thought, oh, I'm going to tap into Rachel's wings. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org. And she said, I tapped into your wings, and your wings were tightly closed around your body. Your wings are so controlled and tight and protective. You are trying to keep yourself safe. Your wings, your spiritual essence, your aura, your energy is all about protection like armor. It's an armor that you hold around yourself. And I never had any reference for what she was saying, but as soon as she said it, I was like, yeah, I know what you mean. So that was kind of the end of our conversation. She didn't really go into more detail about what wings meant. And like I said, I'd never read that in a book. But I would assume that for Kim, that's kind of what other people, that's her word for what someone else might call aura. That's her word for what someone else might call like spiritual energy. That's her word, but it clicked in my brain. I knew what she meant. So I started this habit of just asking myself, a simple question. And I would love if you identify, if you can identify with the idea of wings, actually think about this for a moment. Close your eyes if it's safe. Don't do it if you're driving. But just think about if you had wings, if you were an angel and you had wings, tap into like what your wings are. Are they angel wings? Would they be bird wings? Are they butterfly wings? Are your wings small? Are they just growing? Are they tattered? Have your wings been hurt? What position are they in? Are they open and vibrant? Are they closed tightly around you like mine were with me? If you had wings, what are they like? So that's step one. This could be a really great journaling prompt for you to ask yourself this question. Step two is to ask every day, maybe multiple times a day, where are my wings? Where are my wings? And again, I think other people would have words for this. So if it was aura, maybe you'd be like, what color is my aura? Or, you know, how's my energy? But I love the visual of imagining that you have wings. And so asking myself, where are my wings? It took weeks, weeks of energetically being able to open up 
these wings in my mind's eye. Every time I'd check in, my wings would be like still closed around me, protective. Because to me, if your wings are open, your heart's open. It's childlike. It's not afraid. It's moving forward with faith instead of fear. It's courage. It's all those things, right? So it took weeks of me visualizing these wings open, visualizing these wings open in my meditation. And I finally got to the point where when I would check in with my wings, they'd already be open, which felt like huge. Like, okay, my wings are open. But then over time, I didn't just check in when I was maybe like having a harder moment. I started to check in, okay, what happens to my wings when I'm having a great moment? Like I was at the gym several weeks ago and I was just having, I was on the treadmill. I was walking to some music. I was vibing. I was loving it. I was feeling really good. And I was like, where are your wings? And I could just see these like giant wings dancing with me and they're just radiating joy. And I was like, oh yeah, like my vibes are going out to everybody in this gym right now. Or when I was doing the tour, I would walk through the theater every night before a show with my wings out. And I'd pray over the people that were coming in. I'd pray over the time and the space. And I would just imagine that my wings were big enough to encompass us all, right? Or that my wings could like push goodness out into the world. This maybe sounds so woo-woo to y'all, but I love this visual. I think it's so, so, so powerful. I haven't talked to my kids about it yet, but I'd really love to do this with my kids and ask them like, what color are your wings? Like maybe we draw wings together. It's just, I think, a really simple way to check in with how you are doing energetically. It's kind of a different way to say like, what's your vibe? Like what vibrational level are you at? But that question every single day, where are my wings? I really like it. The next item on my list is a gratitude meditation. And <laughs> if you've been with me for a minute, I know I talk about gratitude meditation and a gratitude practice nonstop. It's a huge part of my life and my work, but it's because I know how powerful it is. And if you have not ever done a gratitude meditation, I knew that I was going to reference this. So Monday's episode, every Monday I do an episode called A Quick Word, A-Q-W, A Quick Word. They're episodes of the show. They're less than 10 minutes. So they're really easy to take in. But Monday's episode is a gratitude meditation. So if you've never done one before, go back to Monday's episode. It'll be, you know, three episodes ago and check that out and practice it. It should generate a vibe and a feeling inside of you that makes you feel so good. And that is one of the most powerful energies that you can use to connect to something bigger to something greater, to, to align with abundance and to know that even though life is hard and scary sometimes, it's also good and there's goodness all around us and there's blessings all around us and we can be the light. And I don't know anything greater than gratitude work to help you get there. The next thing that I wanted to say that's really helpful to feeling connected is something that slows you down something that slows you down, consciously doing something that slows you down. 
Some examples that I wrote were, you may have seen me reference before, or you may have seen me talk about it before on YouTube. I did a video about it, but I burn Palo Santo. It's a wood that clears a space. Um, Maybe I've seen someone sage a house before. Sage is an herb that clears negative energy out. Palo Santo is meant to bring goodness in. So every single morning when I'm making coffee, I light Palo Santo wood and I walk around my whole house and I pray. I pray and I clear the space with smoke. And I think that the smoke represents an intention. I don't think that the smoke has magical powers. I think it's kind of like wearing a wedding ring. Wearing a wedding ring doesn't make you married, but it's a symbol of your commitment and burning sage or burning Palo Santo, at least to me, is the same thing. So every single morning, that practice forces me to slow down, right? Lighting a candle is something that forces you to slow down. Plants. I have plants all around my house. Like literally, I am the plant lady. There's so many plants here. Pretty proud of how well my plants do, but that's not an accident. None of these plants are alive if I don't water them, if I don't clear away the dead leaves, if I don't put down new soil, if I don't give them the nutrients they need. That process, every single weekend, I go through all the plants in my house and take care of them. And that takes intentionality and it forces me to slow down. It's also, for me, it's a bit of bringing nature inside my house, which I love and I can't recommend enough. Guys, there's so many plants that even if you're like, man, I have a black thumb. I don't have a green thumb. I have a black thumb. If that's you, go to your local garden center, your local, not like a big box store kind of place, somewhere where the people who work there really care about plants and be like, I have a black thumb. What is a plant I could keep alive? And maybe they'll give you a succulent or maybe they'll give you a snake plant, which is really easy to keep alive. But just know that there's a plant out there for you. And I feel like it has so many benefits. Oxygenates a room. It's beautiful. It brings nature inside. I think it makes your home feel more homey. And it also forces you to slow down. And anything that forces us to slow down can be sacred and can remind us to touch into something bigger. My last piece of advice, this is good for connecting with something divine, but I also just feel like this is good for all of us in general. And that is a hobby that's just for you that goes nowhere, that's not going to make you money, that's not going to be something that you put on social media that's not for attention or anything else, what's a hobby that you can practice that is just for the simple joy of doing it? I'm in my living room right now, and to my right, I have two electric guitars and a piano. And then over behind me, I've got two acoustics and a ukulele. In my son's room, there's another acoustic. My boyfriend has a ukulele somewhere else in the house. Music is all around us because we all love it. And it's not something, learning to play guitar is something I've been working on, I mean, since I was younger slash for the last year, but it's not something I'm doing because I want to be a guitarist. It's something I'm doing because the practice of it slows me down. 
adds delight into my day. I think music is medicine. I think hearing music and making music is a gift. It's something divine. And so I just feel like I'm taking part in this really beautiful thing. I don't know what that'll be for you, but I love the idea for each one of us that we all have things that are just for us. It's not as popular anymore. Everybody wants a hobby that they can show off. And I think there's something really cool about letting your hobby be whatever it is. Take really bad photos. Paint horrendous watercolors. Like if you don't show it to anybody, it doesn't have to get good. It can just be this thing that exists because it makes you happy. So those are my ideas for how to get more grounded, how to feel more connected. That's what works for me. You may find that you need something else entirely, but I hope at least one of the ideas that I said today will light you up and give you some ideas. And if you are still here, if you're still listening to this, please consider subscribing to the podcast. It is so helpful to any show that you listen to that you subscribe. And please send this episode to someone you love. Send this episode to someone that you think would dig it too. We will always, always have the podcast available to you guys totally for free. And in exchange, we just would love it if you'd spread the word about the work that we're doing here. So that is today's episode. I hope that you dug it and I hope you'll join me back next week for more conversation. Until then, as always, I love you and I'm rooting for you. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org.